Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Amanda Holden to my Les Dennis. <laughs> it's just in peach. Why? <laughs> I, why? I've just decided every intro for the foreseeable is going to be Amanda Holden related. If you don't know why uh, we're talking about Amanda Holden, you need to listen to Thursday's episode. If you haven't listened to Thursday's episode, what is wrong with you? But I have done some research, Justin, into why Amanda Holden's famous and I am none the wiser. I have no idea why. Anyway, Justin. Yeah, still ongoing. We'll find out more later. Uh, Justin, how are you? I'm, I'm tip top. Very good. How are you? Lovely. I'm all right. I am all right, thank you. I think that's the first time I've asked how you are, actually, by the way. so I know, you're very rude. You're an incredibly <laughs> rude man. Uh, on the show today is Jack Dawson from the Bristol City podcast, BS3 Talk. Jack, are you well? Very good, thank you. I think I'm as good as I could be, uh, given <laughs> City's run, but no, trotting along. <laughs> yeah, we'll get onto that in just a sec. Uh, also with us today is Charlie Wise from the QPR YouTube channel, Talking Rangers. Charlie, how do you do? Yeah, not too bad. I mean, as good as you can be, QPR, not doing too badly at the moment. Just six wins from seven. So, I know, life's good. Yeah, it's night and day, really, between you two, really, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. You are listening to the biggest championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. We'll run through all the games from the past weekend in the championship, talk about some of the news from the past week as well, and then we'll finish off with Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. One of the most eventful weekends in the championship, I think, we've ever had really i struggled to figure out the order for the show here today and where to put each game because we had shocks wonder goals two missed penalties in two minutes and a referee forced to change their shirt halfway through a game this is why we love the championship best league in the world let's hear it for the championship ladies and gentlemen thank you we'll start off with a firecracker of a game at the kyan prince foundation stadium qpr2 bournemouth one on the face of it doesn't sound particularly exciting, but there were some massive missed chances in this game, weren't there, Charlie? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, starting off in the first half, a fantastic ball over the top from uh, Lermo. Had a good game uh, yesterday for um, Shane Long to run in behind. So he didn't caught in two minds. He, yeah, he ran towards Shane Long. And then he thought, actually, no, I'll hang back. And Shane Long just hit straight into his chest. A fantastic chance of Bournemouth really should have taken the lead. Um and then Macaulay Bond, a couple right at the end of the game where QPR really should have finished it, arguably 5-1. He could have had a hat-trick coming on off the bench, hitting the post and a couple in behind. But no, a bit of a cage encounter in the first half. Bournemouth did have the, the better spells of possession, but definitely could have been more goals than the 2-1 scoreline suggested. Yeah, definitely. I think considering the chances that both sides had, it could have gone either way, really. Uh, Warren on mm. Twitter called the performance sublime. Archie said it was brilliant. Uh, you've now won six of your last seven, Charlie, 
six in your last seven. It's remarkable. In fact, you've won as many games this month as you did during the first half of the season. What on earth is going on? Uh, well, I'm still pinching myself right now. Um, 18 points from possible 21 is absolutely ridiculous. I don't, I don't ever remember having this sort of run as QPR fan ever since I've been born. But there's quite a few reasons down to that. Obviously, come on, there's, there's no secret in Charlie Austin coming back to the club, kind of the resurgence that he's, the impact he's had on on and off the pitch, the um, the confidence that we've really been lacking inside, lack of self-belief. Um you know, he's, he's only scored three goals, but the influence he's had on the other attacking players has been phenomenal. We've, like, we've seen a resurgence in their confidence as well. Even though Macaulay Bond missed three really good chances yesterday, there has been some form of improvement. But um, he's moved away from a 4-2-3-1 that Warburton's been pretty stuck in his ways with since his time at QPR. And he's moved to a 5-2-1-2, which we've just looked so much more solid at the back. But no, it's been, uh, it's been unbelievable. Yeah, well, around Christmas time, you were looking like you're in a bit of danger of going down. But yes. you've climbed well away from the relegation battle mm. and are now 13th. And Charlie, you're 10 points off the top six with two games in hand <laughs> on the rest of the teams around you. Do we dare talk about the playoffs? I don't know. My, my heart's telling me, look, come on. <laughs> you know, we've won last six of the seven. Um, we're 10 points off, two games in hand. Could we make that, could that, make, a, could we make that a four-point gap? Um, I'd love to think so. But at the same time, we're 10 points off the drop zone. Um, with Rotherham sitting the bottom three, 10 points off them. They've still got two games in hand as well. So, you know, um, I'd, I'd dread to think where we would be if we didn't win these last six games because we're only 10 points off the bottom three now. Where would we be without those 18 points from, from 21 available? So, um, still got to be a, a bit of a reality check. But, I mean, with this sort of run, anything's possible. But I'm trying not to get too carried away because it's the hope that kills you in the championship. Yeah, well, a few teams will be thanking you for beating Bournemouth because yeah. it's really opened up in the playoff race now, hasn't it, Justin? Yeah, it has. It has. I think uh, best player for for Norwich this this month has probably been QPR taking points off Brentford and and Watford. <laughs> but yeah, you're looking at Bournemouth losing again, and it just it invites the likes of Cardiff, Borough, Stoke, and, and and even Barnsley. It was one of those games where they shot themselves in the foot. There are too many examples of teams doing it this weekend, uh, playing, trying to play out from the back. You know, Chris Meppen, Balter Lerma was never on in a million years and, and QPR reacted quickly. Obviously, Shane Long missing a chance in the first half as well. It was just one of those games where Bournemouth, as I say, continually made mistakes and unfortunately, it's, it's, it's opened up the playoff race. Well, unfortunately for Bournemouth, but fortunately for, for Big Mick at Cardiff as well. Yeah, but one of the teams who will certainly fancy their chances of getting in the top six for the season is Barnsley, who beat Bristol City 1-0. It was Bristol City's first game since sacking head coach Dean Holden in midweek. Jack, over the years, we've seen plenty of teams sack their manager and then the caretakers come in and we instantly see a response from the players and they start performing a lot better. That didn't happen on this occasion, did it? The the 1-0 scoreline is quite flattering from a Bristol City perspective. Very much so. I feel like I'm going to bring the mood down a bit after the QPR segment because, in <laughs> truth, it's absolutely awful. I think I think Bristol City are probably the worst team in the Championship at the minute. I'd say just because I look at Wickham, I think even they have they have some fight at least, and City just don't have that. Uh, I think going forward is the worst I've ever seen from a City team. I think eight hours about a goal and we considered twelve in that time. It's just dire, dire reading. I don't want a corner about three hours either. I'm just trying to think back to when we last had a chance, and our only shot on target yesterday was a. 35 yarder from JJ on his left foot, which kind of kind of sums it up. Uh, really not looking good going forward. I think I look at the players on the pitch and I see yesterday we had Casey Palmer, Jeju, Semenyo, you know, Hunt at wing back, Steven Sessegnon. I just think there's got to be a way anyone can manage that team and get them to have a shot on target at least or get them to have the ball in the opposition half. 
but it just doesn't happen. I don't, I don't really know how to put my finger on it because I think Thomas Callas did the media yesterday and he, I think he swore three times in the interview. He kind of sums it up. He's, he's not happy because he's basically saying, I'm the centre back. I'm doing defending all game. And you, you know, the midfielders and attackers can't even get the ball to the opposition's half. It's just, it's terrible at the minute. But yeah, Barnsley, I was quite impressed by them. You could see they had a clear way of playing, they had a clear idea of how to attack the game and just didn't, didn't give us a, a sniff, really. So yeah, fair play to Barnsley. But I think anyone could beat us at the minute. Mm. Well, here on the second tier, we're in our show, which is obsessed with stats, but Bristol City's expected goals has been concerning recently. Against Barnsley, you managed just 0.03, oh uh, which I'm going to say is almost certainly the lowest total this season, maybe even one of the lowest totals ever. Uh, and over the last four games combined, you've managed to create 0.87 expected goals. For anyone who doesn't understand what I'm on about, that is abysmal. Uh, I've seen many Bristol City fans say that the current form is the worst they've ever seen. Would you agree with that, Jack? Um, I don't want to say yes, but I'm thinking back to 16-17 season where we, I think we lost eight games in a row. And it was a club record, but the, I think what I distinguish between that one and this run is that in that run, we were in games. 16-17, we were in games. We were losing maybe 2-1, 3-2, 1-0. Whereas this game, this this game, this run, sorry, we're losing 6-0 to Watford, you know, 2-0 to Reading, who Reading could easily have hit six passes as well. I think they kind of got into second gear, took their two-goal lead and then just kind of relaxed and saw the game out. Whereas I think Barnes, the yeah, it was a scrappy goal, but we didn't deserve anything from it. I think going forward, it's certainly the worst I've ever seen Bristol City just clueless going forward. There's no plan. I think the plan yesterday was to, because Barnes, played a bit of a high line, the plan seemed to be to play balls over the top. But then when you've got Framara Jeji running onto them, who, great striker and all, but he's not the quickest by any means. It just doesn't, it's not effective whatsoever. And yeah, I think it's going forward, it's the worst. I still think we're okay at the back. Thomas Callas mainly leading that, but I think it's the worst I've ever seen City going forward, definitely. Well, Claire on Twitter said the performance was dire. Robin Stato called it hopeless. Kieran labelled it depressing. Um, not many positives, really. Uh, well, as it the stands... Only positive, the only positive, if QPR can win a couple of games, then anything's possible. So. <laughs> You're just rubbing it in now, Charlie. Um, well, as it stands, you're 10 points clear of the relegation zone. Quite a chunky margin. But considering the results and how poor you've been in those games, how worried are you about potentially going down this season? I'm worried, especially if we don't bring in someone quickly, because I look at our next three games. Tuesday, we've got Middlesbrough away, then we've got Swansea away, and then we've got Bournemouth at home. So that, to me, is zero points all over it. And then I'm thinking it only takes a Sheffield Wednesday or a, as, or a Birmingham, as they won yesterday, to pick up sort of four points in that run. And then all of a sudden, you're not talking about 10 points, you're talking about five. And at that point, with the amount of players we got out injured, and if the managerial situation is still uncertain, then you really are looking over your shoulder. And it's just... Beggar's belief that only a month or so ago we were looking at the playoffs and now it's very much, OK, write the season off. It's all about staying in the league. <laughs> I, I just can't help but laugh because the way it's just gone down downhill so quickly. But I think we've got to get someone in quickly because I can't see where our next point's coming from. Can't see where our next shot on target's coming from. Can't see where our next, let alone goal. That's a distant memory. You know, no goals in eight hours. One shot on target again yesterday, it was in 35 yards. There's just no way to sum it up. And I think we were riding our luck for a lot of the season and I think that luck's running out as you guys I think predicted a few weeks ago uh, I'm laughing which is really unprofessional but I think as a football <laughs> fan as a football fan I think we've all had our team in this position at some point so we've got sympathy for you at the, at the very least uh, before we go around the grounds Justin let's finish on a positive note because Barnsley were superb again they're banging form now four points off Bournemouth in sixth 
win that game in hand that they've got and they're only a point off the top six. So they'll fancy themselves, won't they? Yeah, especially with, with Bournemouth sort of topsy-turvy form as well. I think, uh, you know, as, as Jack mentioned, uh, Carlos did the post-match pressure presser and he said losing against the likes of Barnsley is, is, is not good enough or drawing 0-0 against the likes of Barnsley isn't good enough. But rather than you know that being a bit of a dig, I think Barnsley will, will thrive from that. And I think they are thriving from it because there are a lot of teams that, that underestimate them. You, you look at Carlton Morris, who was a, a new signing, three goals in his last three games. Their model's clearly working. Alex Mauer and, and Rommel, uh, Rommel Palmer in, in central midfield as well. Ridiculously good. We, you know, we're all scratching our heads as to where they're going to go after Matty James left, wherever Stars was going to slot in in midfield. But Palmer's come in, been brilliant. He's an academy graduate as well. He's played every single minute since um, since they lost to Swansea in the middle of January and he's allowing Mauer to have more of a creative influence on games and as we're seeing, they're, they're thriving from it. Yeah, definitely. Charlie and Jack, thanks for now. We'll come back to you both later on when we play Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. But right now, Justin and I are going to take you, listener, around the grounds. And we shall begin with Brentford, who lost again. This time, it was a 2-0 defeat to Coventry. Charlie's gutted about that. Um, Billy Grant is from the Brentford podcast, Be Sotted. And Billy, the Bees were distantly second best here, weren't they? No, it wasn't great against Coventry. Three games now that we've lost in a row. If you look at it over a bigger picture... What's it, 23, 24, 25 games, three games lost out of that. Not that bad, but still three games in a row. Coventry really well organised and they really played. I thought they played really well. But also with Brentford, a lot of the spine of our team was out. Ivan Tony, very important up front. You know, Josh De Silva, very important in the midfield. Those two players were out, which are very key to us as well. I mean, I know Josh De Silva came on later in the game. Um, Dalsgaard. In defence as well, big, big player for us. He's our captain. He was out as well. We've got Pontus Janssen, who's been out for ages. Norgard has been out for ages. Basically, a lot of the spine of our team was out. And I think that you really felt that because the, the other players are in there, like Canos, you know, Jensen, they just didn't play up to the, the levels that they're meant to. And no one was really leading. So it kind of just looked like that. That game was just out of our hands. We didn't get the three points, but it's really important to see now how we pick ourselves up over the next few weeks. Yeah, fans of other clubs are looking at this and saying the wheels have come off at Brentford. Do you think the wheels have come off or do you think it's just a bad spell? I think it's too easy to say that the wheels have come off after two or three games for any team. At the end of the day, you know, if a team's gone on a 20, 21, 22, 23 game unbeaten run, that's a good side. And you don't turn into a bad team overnight. Yes, teams go through blips. Teams go through bad times. We've seen that all the time. Leeds United did exactly the same thing last season. It's how you pick up from it. For us, more of the fear is the injuries that we've got. You know, how long is Ivan Tony going to be out for? How long is Henry going to be out for? You know, when is Pontus Janssen coming back? When is Norgard coming back? Because those are massive players for us. And we know the fact is that when we've got those players in place, we are a brilliant team. For me, it's about how you're going to be going into the back end of the season. If we can get these players back at the right time and start doing what we're doing before, for me, there'll be no wheels coming off business. It'll be just a case of actually kind of like getting to the pit stop and putting the wheels back on again. Yeah, Ivan Tony is expected to be out for just a couple of weeks, or so we hope anyway. Uh, but Rico Henry, his injury looked quite bad in this game. He pulled up holding his hamstring and it looked like a serious one. We don't know yet the extent of it, but if he is out for quite some time, then how do Brentford handle that? 
is is a big problem for Brentford. I think he's the best left back in the division, and he adds so much to our play. Just like David Raya, who's the sweeper keeper, and he and he really adds to the attack. So does Rico Henry. Yes, he's a he's a left back, but also he's a wing back, and he really really does. He sets up the play. He he adds to our attack, and and he sets up goals. And if he's not there, it's a big problem. Uh, yes, we do have stand-ins. We have you know Madsbeck Sorensen stood in his place uh, at the weekend against Coventry. We've also got Fosu. Who could also play in that position. The, the, the only worry about that, though, is that he's not playing up front on the wing, and Fossu's looked brilliant, I thought, when he's played up front. So we're going to be taking him out of that attacking position, putting him into a defensive position but as a wing-back. But we have to do what we have to do. But to be honest, I'd rather think of the fact that Henry might only be out for two or three or four games. If he, if he is... I think we can handle that. But if he's not, we do have the players. Okay, we are compromising, but I still think that they're good enough for us to get over the line with what we've got. Cheers, Billy. Yeah, that Rico Henry injury is just a bit concerning. Hopefully it's not too serious, but it it didn't look too good, did it, Justin? Um, The game, what did you think? Well, from a Brentford perspective, it was it was a shocking performance. From a Coventry perspective, it was it was really really good. Uh, I think you start with start with Brentford. You know, you give two goals to the opposition, you get nothing in reply from any of your creative players. It's frustrating. Uh, it's a worrying trait, and I think it's one of the reasons why I was sceptical of them finishing their top two is because you've got to question their bottle. Um, they've lost as many games in the last seven days as they have done all season, which is just. It's it's not a good a good habit to have at this point in the season, but moving on to Coventry, I thought they were brilliant. Yeah, Sam on Twitter said from a Brentford perspective, it was diabolical. Craig called it dross. Uh, for me, it was all about Coventry's pressing. The entire game was basically Brentford playing the ball around, going into a dead end and passing it back to David Raya, and it would keep happening until Brentford lost the ball. And that happened a few times in this game, and Brentford barely created anything. They were distantly second best. It seems like teams have worked out how to play against them because Barnsley pressed them to end their 21-game unbeaten run. QPR, not so much, but that was down to poor defending. But then Coventry again, they pressed. Teams know if you get into Brentford's face, then they really seem to struggle. Yeah, absolutely. The hard work off the ball paid off. Um, They made 16 tackles in this game, which was the fourth most this week. Uh... Biamu, Walker and Ahara were all superb at setting traps and it was evident in the second goal the, the ball I mean David Ray didn't have to play that ball no. uh, you know we'll, we'll stem onto it with a, with a couple of other teams this week who have fallen foul of playing it out from the back but there's a certain sort of arrogance with teams that try and do it over and over again you know at some point you just got to play the game and they don't play the game they play a style and as we're seeing at the moment with, with Brentford and teams that get into um, other sides faces it doesn't always work Well, the thing is, Brentford, they've got the players who are more than capable of playing their way through a good press. Um, But at the moment, they just seem out of confidence. And that was what we saw in the game on Saturday, where they just kept making mistakes that they wouldn't have made when they were going on that unbeaten run. Yeah, and the worst thing a team can do when you're down on confidence is try and play play out through the back, try and play out through a press. It's fair point. It's, it's incredibly difficult to do when you're just not confident in your own ability. Mm. You know, Take it back to basics, route one. But full credit to Mark Robbins. This was a masterclass from him. I mean, you look at the performances like this and you wonder why there are only two places above the bottom three. They're a good side. It just doesn't happen enough. Uh, Tyler Walker, as you mentioned, was class. Um, Brentford's still in the top two on goal difference, but they're now seven points behind Norwich and Swansea are a point behind with two games in hand. I'm pretty sure Brentford only exists to make me look silly after I predict them to win the league every season, but three straight losses now. (laughs) 
And they've got to hope Swansea don't make the most of those games in hand. Um, worth pointing out as well, Thomas Frank apparently wasn't happy with the Coventry kit in the first half. Apparently he thought it was too similar to the referees and the Brentford players were getting confused. The referee changed it at halftime. Things didn't improve. Uh, hey, Justin, we were just talking about Swansea and they suffered a massive shock away at Huddersfield heading into the game. Huddersfield were bottom of the form table, having not won a game this year, while Swansea were top, having picked up 23 points from a possible 27 over their last nine games. So, of course, Huddersfield won 4-1, the championship, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, Tom Morgan's from Total Swans TV. And this result came out the blue a bit, didn't it, Tom? Yeah, that result um, was certainly a shock to the system. The performance, just just what we weren't at the races. Um, we were not as good as we needed to be. And credit to Huddersfield, to be honest. Um, they set up to limit us in attack um, and punish us when they attacked. And they did exactly that. Um, our defending just, just wasn't good enough yesterday. Um, the performance wasn't there really with the Forest game. We got lucky with the result. Um, and I think if you ask a lot of Swansea fans, I think yesterday we would have liked a few changes to the starting lineup. Um, myself personally, I would have liked to have seen Danda, Cabango, and Morris to start, um, rather than the three of them coming on later on in the game. Um, but the performance, as I say, just wasn't with it. And credit to Huddersfield, they they had some good opportunities. They took their chances and they limited us to absolutely nothing really. Um, we we really really struggled to get anything on goal. Um, so yeah, as I say, credit to them. Um, but yeah, some 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 changes for the next game for the Swans for sure. Do you think it's just a blip or do you think there's more to be concerned about considering, as you said, you didn't play very well against Forest in midweek either? If this is our blip, um, I'd take it because it's happening the same time as the teams above and around us. I mean, Reading lost yesterday, Brentford now three losses on the bounce. I hope it's a blip. Um, I mean, the, the Forest performance, a draw would have would have sufficed in that game. Yesterday, we we totally deserved to lose. Um, you know, we really didn't, we really didn't play our style of football, we didn't look at- attacking down those wings at all. Um, and Jamal Lowe and Andre you really weren't in the game at all yesterday. Um, so hopefully it is a blip. You know, hopefully we can get right back on track against Coventry. It's not going to be an easy game Wednesday night. Um, we know what their result was yesterday, but hopefully, hopefully this is our blip. Um, hopefully we don't go and do um, what Brentford are doing and lose three on the bounce. But you know, I'm I'm. I'm content to drop points when the teams above us are dropping points and we've still got games in hand. Well, that's it, isn't it? Norwich are firmly in the driving seat now, but I suppose Swansea are in the passenger seat. So when you look at the table, you must be feeling pretty happy with how it's looking. Yeah, it's a promising position to be in. I mean, we've got two games in hand over third and second, only a point behind both of them. Um, But yesterday was a massive, massive opportunity to jump up into second spot. Uh, two points clear of set of third and fourth with two games in hand. So we, a massive uh, opportunity missed. But yeah, it's kind of exciting, but trying not to get too you know excited is a long, long, long way of football to go. Um, it's a very tough season as, we, as we've experienced. Um, and any result over 90 minutes can, can change your, you know, your, your, your outlook for the next few games. Um, you can see what a little run in this league does uh, as far as moving teams up the table. Um, but you need to just, uh, when we've got games in hand, I think that we just need to maintain um, touching distance with those automatic spots. Um, I don't want to go dropping out of, you know, out of reach of those automatic spots with our games in hand before we play them. That's the only worry. Um, I hate having games in hand. I'd much rather be on 31 uh, games played 
and in that mix with those teams rather than having the games in hand. But it is exciting to look at um, and hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, the Swans can, can push on now, get a positive result Wednesday and try and get back into those automatic spots. Cheers, Tom. Yeah, Justin, let's start with the positives. What a free kick by Conor Hurahan. That was oh, superb, wasn't it? He did that on a weekly basis for Barnsley before he got the move to Villa, didn't he? Mm. He was he was just so good at them. And then when he, when he went to Villa, I, I don't think he scored a free kick. Um, so, yeah, we, we know how good he is. We know the quality he possesses. And I'm really thankful that we're seeing it. Uh, obviously, they lost, but when you've got players like that scoring them sort of goals, it's still very, very nice to see. The interesting thing with that goal is it happened just before half-time to make it one all. So as a Swansea fan, you'd have gone into the second half feeling upbeat, but but that's when it all went wrong, really. If you look at the game from a Swansea perspective, I suppose you could say the goals they conceded weren't necessarily down to bad defending, apart from the third, maybe. Uh, I'm clutching at straws, really, because Swansea were poor. We'll have to wait and see whether it was a blip or not. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, what a goal by Dwayne Holmes, though, Justin. What a goal. Goal of the season? No, no. I, it, was, it was a great goal. It was a great goal. But goal of the season, I don't think so. You know when we're all playing football on the park and a ball just hits a perfect bobble and you make the best contact with it you possibly can? That was one of those. It just it bobbled right up before he hit it. And he was able to, to lift it over the keeper. It was a great goal, but goal of the season, absolutely no chance. Hey, I've seen you playing football. You have never hit a ball like that. And we've spoke a lot about <laughs> Huddersfield's we spoke a lot about Huddersfield's dangerous slide down the table. Had they lost here, there'd have been two places outside the bottom three. So it's a much needed victory, isn't it? It is. There there were a lot of teams that needed a win this weekend. Huddersfield were one of them. And it's amazing what happens with this Huddersfield side when they're not making continuous cock-ups in the back four mm. or, or the back five or whatever it is. Um, we saw with the third goal that the run from Dwayne's home, Dwayne Holmes and the link-up play was, was really good. And the first goal, Fraser Campbell, again, really good build-up play. Um, they're, they're a side that possesses a lot of potential when they're on it. But as I say, when they're not making massive cock-ups defensively, this is what they can do. This is what they can do to teams and more of it if they do it consistently they'll stave off relegation absolutely Mm. and they've got a massive game against Derby in midweek we also had a massive game in the relegation battle at Hillsborough in fact in terms of importance to the relegation battle it's probably the biggest of the season so far Wednesday versus Birmingham it finished 1-0 to Blues thanks to Scott Hogan James Jenkinson is from Birmingham Fan TV and what a massive result this is James yeah absolutely massive result to be honest Um, I think if we had have lost that could have been our season um not over but you get what i mean we'd have been in real big trouble if we weren't already you know that could have been another nail in the coffin um and it, the the lid slowly closing so to come out of that one yesterday with a win however we got it you know we didn't expect it to be pretty against two sides you know it was two sides going against each other who both needed the points um, it was going to be a dogfight and, and it's nice for us to come out on top for once because we've been on the, the wrong end of so many of those in the last few years. Yeah, well, it comes after a terrible run of four and one win in 13 games. Just give us an idea of how poor Birmingham have been recently. I think if I was taking it from a, a balanced perspective and trying to be as level-headed as possible, I think we've had a real split in the games. I think for the you know the bad run that we've had, I think we... Towards the start of it, we were putting in some really, really poor performances. I think against Derby and Middlesbrough at home, where we got thumped. Uh, we were playing badly and completely deserved, you know, the results that we were 
that were being dished out against us. In the last five or six, other than um, against the, against Luton, we we actually weren't as bad as were to to suggest, and and the results really didn't go our way. And on another day, with a bit more luck, we we could have got a few more results. Um, I, I, especially I think against Coventry. Um, and Millwall, where we're just kind of gifting goals to people more than more than anything, you know. And I think it's really then knocking the confidence when we do it so early. Um, so I think it's been a mixture of really poor performances and really poor mistakes. And finally, James, if Birmingham are to stay up this season, what would you say is the one thing that needs to change? It's it's, it's a simple fix, to be honest, Ryan. Um, it's it's simply the board. It's it's Huang Don Ren. I think you've said it previously. Uh, I know we've spoken about it well over twelve months ago, uh, and it's the same story, mate. You know, I taught Karanka is not as bad a manager as as is is being shown on the table. Yeah, for sure, he's you know he he, he deserves the criticism he's getting, as do the players. But you know, there's always one common theme whenever Birmingham City struggle year in year out, and it's the poor recruitment from the board it's the poor leadership it's the lack of direction there's there's a poor ethos around the club it's it's just a combination and a real cocktail of of disastrous decisions that are constantly hindering this club and uh, this you know if, if I was to go like he's being discussed or has been rumored then you know he goes and another manager comes in and, and for me it's the same story again uh so until they are gone until the board is gone and until Dong Ren is gone uh, this club will continue to struggle. Cheers, James. Yeah, had Birmingham lost this, it would have been difficult to see them staying up because there would have been quite the gap between them and safety. Uh, Kieran on Twitter called the result massive. Blues Minds Pod said it was unbelievable. What did you think, Justin? It it clicked for Birmingham City in this game. I think obviously Liam Shaw getting sent off for Wednesday helped things because they scored uh, fairly soon after that uh, after that second yellow card, but. You know, there are players in this in this game that I've, I wouldn't say have been hiding for weeks, but they just they haven't been anywhere near the ability they needed to be. But as I say, it, it all clicked. I think it was a tight game. You know, both teams had, I think Wednesday had three shots on target, Birmingham had, City had, uh, had two, but Birmingham City took theirs, and that's something again that has also been missing from them. So, as far as it goes, or as the game goes, it was it was a fairly good performance and one that has been needed for weeks and I guess the pressure is lifted slightly on, on Birmingham City but they're still still feeling a bit um, I don't know what's the word stressed maybe I don't know they've got a lot of work to do haven't they still got Too a hell work. of a lot of work so to do work. Um, they've got Norwich in midweek as well which is far <laughs> from ideal but you can't undersell how much of a damaging result this is for Wednesday Justin it was a six pointer and not only have they missed out on the chance to deliver a real uppercut to one of their main relegation rivals They've given three points to one of their main relegation rivals. I think the the, the biggest surprise for me was the, the the shift to a four at the back. Uh, I think Wednesday have looked a lot better when they've been playing three at the back. I think especially with a with a low block that they play, they um, they restrict teams. And when you're playing against Birmingham City team, the worst thing you can do, especially a team that's down there, is lose. And um, that happened. Perhaps we're seeing Wednesday level out because it's been a poor run of form for them. There's still there's still a lack of goals, but they're relying on clean sheets. You know, as, as Sam Allardyce alluded this week, I think we said West Brom need eight clean sheets to stay up. Well, it's the only way for me. Sheffield Wednesday are going to stay up as if they keep clean sheets. And it was a relatively poor goal to concede. You know, it's it, as I say, I think they're starting to level out now. 
It was pretty much their only decent chance, though, Birmingham wanted. They, both teams defended relatively well here. As you said, it was very tight. I think the red card for Liam Shaw was really the turning point mm. in the game. It was a debatable decision, wasn't it? <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. That I thought the second tackle, I thought the second yellow card was a good tackle and I thought the first yellow card was quite harsh. Alas, it's a Premier League referee who's down in the championship who who sent him off. It was a bizarre a bizarre red card. It was a bizarre, you know, series of bookings. I don't I don't think it was I don't think it was I don't, I don't think it should have been sent off. Simple I that. think in fairness to the referee, from his angle, he probably thought there was a lot of force in the red card tackle. Um, even then, it was a good tackle, wasn't it? Because he's got the ball. And I don't really see what else Liam Shaw could have done to avoid it being a dangerous tackle. In fact, it was probably as safe a sliding tackle as you can possibly do, really. So, yeah, it, it wasn't a great showing from the referee there. But one win in four for Wednesday. And I just wonder if they should really hurry up with appointing a manager now, Justin, because the steam they built up with Neil Thompson has seemingly disappeared. Stoke had a very comfortable 3-0 win over Luton at the Bet365 Stadium. Ben Rowley's from the Stoke podcast, the YYY Files. And actually, I say very comfortable, Ben. Really, this was a bit of a battering, wasn't it? Yeah, we did, really. Um, Nathan Jones had made yesterday that that's possibly Luton's worst game under him ever, uh, which is a bit of a coincidence when it comes against his old club. Um, but then Stoke were more like the team that we saw earlier on in the season as opposed to the one that we saw in November to January, which was just awful with, I think it was like one win in 12 or 13 or something like that. But now we've got two wins on the bounce and the confidence that came after the Sheffield Wednesday win in midweek. You could see that on, on the players' faces, they were desperate for a goal, desperate for a win. Um, and when that first goal came quite early, it was a simple finish, really. And we were able to relax and get more into the game then. And I think there were certain motives behind the players winning this game today. Um, certainly the likes of Nick Powell and Josh Tyman, who played... Um, but yeah, a very good result, very good performance too. Yes, yeah, Stoke's second win on the bounce, and it looks like you've turned the corner after a poor run of form. Yes, absolutely. I I think you're right. The corner looks as though it's been turned. I think towards the end of our bad run of form, we were looking much better to what we were. I, I, a lot of Stoke fans will say that the loss of Nick Powell and Stephen Fletcher, whether it was both at the same time or just one of them, was really, really disappointing. And I don't think it's any coincidence that since those two have come back in the team together and Nick Powell playing as a number 10 and not as a winger, um, we've looked so much better. We've we've actually got a strike partnership, which is rare in football maybe these days, let alone um, for Stoke. But yeah, we, we've always looked solid at the back. And I think that's something that we've got to praise O'Neill for. He's just struggled to find a way to find goals since Tyrese Campbell's injury. But now um, we're relying more on those two that I mentioned and it's working. They're scoring and Stoke are winning because of it. Yeah, and it's given you a great chance of getting into the playoffs now. Um, Just finally, Ben, I wanted to get your thoughts on Ryan Shawcross departing to go to Inter-Miami in the MLS after 14 years at Stoke. There's been plenty of tributes paid to him over the past couple of days. Here's your chance to pay tribute to him now. 
<laughs> I mean, where do I start? I've only got a minute. Um, he is a club legend, and that is no overestimation in the slightest. He's been at the club for something like 13 and a half years. That's longer than I've been a Stoke fan. I've not known a Stoke without Ryan Shawcross. He's been there for promotions to the Premier League, survival, uh, when Paddy Power paid out, Wembley, Europe, Stoke alone, the, the team that beat Liverpool 6-1, uh, relegation, all those managers we've had over the last few years. He's been there for the entire journey and he's been a critical component to everything that's been good about us. And it's because he's a leader that leads by example. He's been a captain for over a decade of that time. And, you know, there's talks of him getting a testimonial. That will certainly happen. Um, there's talks of him getting a statue down at Stoke. I think that is a possibility. Uh, there's talks of the shirt number being retired, which we know how much we laugh at that in football. But Ryan Shawcross means something to this club more than most players at any football club. And he is a dying breed of a player that is loyal. He's a dying breed of a player that is so committed and so honest. And I know he's had a lot of notoriety about him. We as Stoke fans love him and we wish him all the best. And I'm sure we'll see him back at Stoke in some capacity one day. Cheers, Ben. Yeah, God, you got me a bit emotional there, Justin. We'll talk about Ryan Shawcross in the news later on. Uh, Mitch on Twitter said it was a glorious performance. Uh, Stoke were immense here, weren't they? In fact, it was a mixture of Stoke being immense and Luton being terrible, quite frankly. This could have easily been at least 5-0. It could have, and I think it's down to down to one man, and that's Nick Powell. What a, what a man, and I don't think he's had much respect this season from from us I don't think we've we've shouted as, as much as we we should have you know he's hit double figure goals he's got 10 in 26 in a team that has been quite inconsistent and as also let's bear in mind he's, he's barely had a striker in front of him so the onus has been on him to provide uh, perhaps unfairly actually um, but boy has he provided six goal involvements in six games as well so he's he's banging form he's scoring and providing he's, he's played as a number 10 as a centre forward and he's becoming the player that is being relied upon for Stoke, and uh, he's having he's having the best scoring season, his best scoring season in the Championship. He's just five short of his career best of fifteen when he when he hit fifteen for for Wigan in League One, and for an attacking midfielder, those those numbers are ridiculous, and we should probably sing his praises a little bit more. He's a top scoring midfielder in the league, and someone who has been in, who's been criminally underrated all season. Yeah, he he's probably having his best season as a footballer, really, isn't he? I know he had that brilliant season in a league one a, a few years ago but we haven't really seen him do it at this level as well as he is now um i was checking earlier he's still only 26 it seems like yeah, he's been around for ages um but yeah he, he's having a fantastic season in this game in particular i thought more or less every stoke player was fantastic it was oh, yeah. a proper drubbing very unlike luton though even in defeat this season, they've not had many games where they were really poor, but they certainly were here. It's interesting because after saying last week, they looked pretty secure in mid-table. Results haven't gone their way since. And I just wonder if they're perhaps looking over their shoulder a bit, Justin. I said this a couple of weeks ago and I think you disagreed with me. I, I don't I don't think they're a side that scores enough goals for them to be properly, properly safe. Um I think it's Harry Cornick's not really hit the heights that we we saw last season. James Collins has only got seven for the season, so there's two of your main attacking threats who are quite low on the goals. Yeah, for me, they just don't score enough for them to be to be considered safe. I'd say. I'll, I'll be very surprised if they did get dragged into a relegation battle, but yeah. um, 
the way recent results have gone, you can't rule it out. And the mm. fact that some teams below them are picking up results as well, we could see them slowly move down the table. But at the same time, I think there were definitely three worse teams than Luton this season. A final point on this game, of course, Nathan Jones, ex-Stoke manager. <laughs> a couple of Stoke players reacted to a meme going round of Nathan Jones on Twitter after the game, which wasn't too complimentary about him. Perhaps insinuating the players didn't particularly enjoy his stewardship. Right, Justin, let's have a break. After that, we'll talk about wins for Forest, Cardiff and Norwich. I tell you what, there's nothing I love more than a classic football shirt. I've got loads of them. A Juventus shirt, Marseille shirt, even an Antalya Sport shirt. One of the reasons I've got so many is because I can get them for a great price from ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk. They've got shirts for teams from all over the globe, and that, of course, includes championship clubs. So if you wanted a classic Wednesday shirt, Reading shirt or Barnsley shirt, whoever you support, they'll have something for your club. It's not just shirts either. They've also got tracksuits, baseball caps, socks, so much stuff. Have a look for yourself. Go to ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk right now. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Forest are up to 17th after beating Blackburn 1-0. Alex Mighton with the goal, but it's Blackburn's fourth straight loss. And it looks to have KO'd their hopes of getting in the playoffs this season. Ryan Hildreds from Rovers Chat. Ryan, how's the game? From a Rovers perspective, it was another frustrating game. Um, you know, it's four defeats on the spin for us now and yeah, did we do enough to win the game yesterday? Probably not. Um, did we look brighter than the Barnsley game? Possibly. Um, but, you know, Forrest were for their win. Um, first half in particular, they created loads of chances and could have been more than 1-0 up at half-time. And then in the second half, um, you know, Chris Hutton set the side up to, to sit back, soak the pressure and say to Rovers, come on then, see if you can break us down and, and see if you can get your goal. Um, we, of course, missed the penalty. That was our big, big chance in, in the game. And that chance was a big one as well, because just before that, Lyle Taylor had missed uh, an open goal. So we could easily have been 2-0 down. Um, we have a great chance then to equalise. And you're thinking, right, let's take the point from the city ground and put a, an end to this bad run of form that we're on. But no, it was another defeat. And yeah, just a, another desperately disappointing one um, for all Rovers fans. Yeah, and it's four straight defeats. What's gone wrong recently? Because not too long ago, you were looking like the side most likely to break into the playoffs. Recently, it's more of a concern because, you know, Rovers have always been a streaky side, you know, um, since coming back into the championship in particular, you know, we've got close to the playoff push and then gone on a losing run. So that kind of up and down has always been there. And indeed, you know, we were unbeaten in January and Mowbray was nominated for, for manager of the month. And now it's four defeats on the spin. That's always been there. I think recently um, we're just being found out a little bit in terms of how Mowbray's tried to set the side up this season. So it's been very possession based, very high tempo. I think two things have gone against him. Um, you know, the high tempo, high energy type stuff in this era of, you know, pandemic football uh, where the games are coming thick and fast. I do just wonder if the energy levels and the players, etc., have been able to cope with that. And we have had some injuries in some key positions. And then that possession-based football, um, you know, our pitch at Ewood Park is a disgrace at the moment. Um, 
because of the winter weather. And then there's lots of pitches around the country like that as well. So we can't get that possession game going. And really, it's not since Norwich at home in December since we've put in a good performance, actually. So, yeah, it's been a real struggle. Yeah, and I've seen a few Blackburn fans calling for Mowbray's head. Uh, where do you stand on that? Or do you think it's just an overreaction to the recent form? My position on the manager has shifted in the last three games, actually. Um, as I say, we have had these up and down uh, runs of form, um, and that is frustrating as a fan. And, you know, we are forever grateful for the stability that Mowbray's brought to the club and, and everything off the pitch that is allowing us to, to look up rather than look down in recent times. However, in the last three games, something's changed with Mowbray and how he's coming across in his post-match interviews. Um, against Preston, there was a lot of moping and kind of sadness that, yeah, we lost the game. And then Barnsley and, and yesterday's game, there's lots of just finding random references, random excuses and, and random things that he's bringing in. So after the game yesterday, he's talking about Brentford and about Liverpool and how they've gone on losing runs. So I'm sat here now just thinking, right, are you actually the man that's going to get us out of this run of form? Are you the man that's going to get us into the Premier League? You know, I'm not being struck with confidence at the moment that he is. And so ultimately, you know, I do think a change is needed. When that happens, I don't know. And, you know, it's just sad for everyone concerned because Mowbray's a great man. Cheers, Ryan. Yeah, not great times at Blackburn right now, Justin. And their season seems to be fizzling out. It's definitely stalled, hasn't it? When you consider these two teams where they were at the end of October, they were miles apart. Oh yeah, you know we were we were expecting Blackburn to to breeze into the playoffs and Forest to be really struggling, but now Forest are only three points behind Blackburn. So that's that's a that's a pretty damning statement for Blackburn's form, probably since November. It's it's not been good at all, and we're looking at players. I think the the January recruitment is too much inexperience too much inexperience for me and I'm not saying it's a, it, was a, it was a terrible window for them but when you add that many young players into the side um, you, get, you get games like this where they come up against an experienced side and they're, they're kept at arm's length all game yeah Dave on Twitter said it was a lacklustre performance the, the, thing, the frustrating thing is with Blackburn they have got all the ingredients there for a playoff side maybe even a promotion chasing side but something's just not clicking I can't really put my finger on it Ryan gave a good explanation there but it seems like there's something else for me that's missing from this Blackburn side maybe it is a new manager maybe it is a manager with a, a fresh set of ideas um, you could argue maybe Tony Mowbray's taken this side as far as he can he's done a fantastic job in his time there but maybe it's just time for a change who knows uh, Sam Gallagher was taken off of Blackburn during this game and was being tested for a possible punctured lung which you don't hear very much. Whenever I hear punctured lung, I always think, wow, that sounds fatal. Um, it's often not, but it's still bloody serious, so hopefully he's all right. Davo on Twitter called the performance for Forrest gutsy. Uh, but Forrest just continuing to make tracks under Chris Hewton, aren't they? They are, and I think it's it's down to perhaps having the a comfortable midfield too on the ball. We look at Ben Watson last season, who was essential for them, and they didn't replace him really with anyone of the same, not necessarily ability, but influence. But having the likes of Garner, Cafu in there, and then you've got Yates to come back in as well. It's the, the two that are sitting in there. They're controlling games for Forest, where earlier on in the season they had none of that. And when in possession as well, there's more opportunity to create. And I think having those two, two in there that are comfortable on the ball, has seen the. Well, it's certainly helped the uplifting form. 
Mm. I don't think Forest were brilliant here, I must say, but it's an important win considering how teams below them did. They're now seven points clear of the bottom three. Cardiff 4, Preston 0. Complete domination from Cardiff in this game, except for a two-minute spell where Preston had two penalties, missed both of them. Dylan Phillips saved the first one for Paul Gallagher, and then on the rebound, he went for the ball and was fouled by Aidan Flint. Chad Evans then took the next penalty, and that was saved again by Dylan Phillips. Remarkable, really. Uh, Gareth on Twitter called the performance awesome. I mean, really, what more can we say about Cardiff, Justin? The turnaround under Mick McCarthy becomes even more impressive week by week. Everyone is playing with confidence. The team is a unit. And one player in particular who seems to be flourishing is Kiefer Moore. He got on the score sheet yesterday, albeit from the penalty spot. But it's six goals in seven games now for him. He is flying. And I mean, in fairness, he wasn't playing badly under Neil Harris. He was their best player, even though results weren't necessarily going their way. But with Big Mick, he's gone to a different level. I mean, Mick's got form for turning players into goal machines. Off the top of my head, there's Ebanks Blake, uh, Stephen Fletcher at Wolves, and then Dal Murphy at Ipswich. Kiefer Moore couldn't really ask for a better manager at this level to make him the striker he is now, which is, in my eyes, a Premier League striker. He ticks all the boxes, pace, strength, movement off the ball, finishing right now as a championship defender. I don't think there's a striker I would want to face less than him. Um, that's with the caveat that Ivan Tony's out injured. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Cardiff for class here. Massive game in midweek, Justin. Bournemouth away. I'm salivating already. Uh, but for Preston, aside from the penalties, they actually had a couple of decent chances. And I think Alex Neal will be wondering how they didn't at least get on the score sheet to soften the result. Well, it was 1-0 at half-time. You think if, if Preston put a couple of chances they had away in the first half, or even just one of the chances, it's a different game in the second half. They don't lose 4-0. I think two of the goals came from monumental cock-ups by <laughs> Liam Lindsay. The poor side, he had a terrible game. Mm. Um, and that, that that was it, really. That, that that swung the game. And again, the penalty, you put one of them away, that swings the game again because it, it makes it 2-1. It makes it very, very, very nervy for, for Cardiff. I don't think Chad Evans is the answer. I know we mentioned he had a couple of good performances, but at the end of the season, they have to have a striker lined up because, as I say, you put them chances away, it's a different game. Yeah, I think the thing is with the strikes they've got at the moment, they've got the likes of Jakobsen, Evans, two players who are good at holding up the ball and bringing others into play, but they need a goal scorer, don't they? They have desperately needed a goal scorer ever since Jordan Hugo was there. Um it's been the missing piece of a puzzle for quite some time now. And unless it gets answered, then Preston aren't going to get in the playoffs anytime soon, are they? No, they're not. And every number nine they've had probably since Hugo has been a very good squad striker, not the one you want to be relying on. And unfortunately, it's going to be, it's going to be a thing we're going to be saying until they bring in a number nine who's capable of hitting 15. Um, because that, that, for me, is the difference between Preston getting into the playoffs and finishing out of it consistently. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Four losses in five games now for Preston. Goals from Ashley Fletcher and Mark Boller gave Borough a 2-0 win away at Reading. Neil Warnock called it the most complete away performance they've had since he's been there. And it was an efficient performance, really, wasn't it? It was. And, and going back to a back three is, is helping Borough. The last two games has, has yielded result, positive results for, for them. 
I'm surprised they, they veered away from it because the likes of Dyke, Steel, McNair, Bowler, they get so much more freedom playing at a, playing in that three. And we saw Bowler score a wonderful goal and, and McNair had a great chance one-on-one. When do your defenders have those opportunities in any system? They don't. But the 3-5-2 for Borough just works. The record with it as well, which is courtesy of the Borough breakdown, you know, they've won seven, drawn four, lost two. The win rate, win rate with the with a three at the back is is fifty three percent, which is, you know, don't don't veer away from it, Neil. It's 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 working for you, and that could be the way into the playoffs is playing this system. Well, Dave on Twitter said the performance was clinical, uh, like Cardiff, Stoke, and Barnsley. Middlesbrough have now seen their form turn around recently and are creating a very competitive race for the top six. Um, could one of the teams we see drop out of the playoffs be Reading, Justin? One win in their last five now. Interesting, because I was having a look earlier uh, for what the bookies think will be the top six come the end of the season. They see, they think out of the current top six, Reading are the most likely to drop out. Two points ahead of Bournemouth at the moment. Uh, the thing is, both them and Bournemouth can't afford a slip-up because you've got those four teams who I just mentioned chasing the top six. Two of them are in form. The other two are seemingly coming into form. So every time either one of Reading or Bournemouth drop points, at least one of those playoff chasers will take advantage, won't they? They have. And again, you you mentioned uh, the teams that are coming into form. Obviously, Reading and Bournemouth have just, their form's dipped massively. Going going, going on to Reading, they've only managed back-to-back wins once since October so it's clear they're lacking consistency. Uh, I think I think they will manage to finish in the playoffs, but the worst thing to happen at this current time, you know, we're getting to to March, which is as we we all know is the the proverbial business end of the season. You know, they they, they don't want to be scraping into the playoffs. You want momentum at the moment. Cardiff have it. Barnsley are gathering it, and Stoke and Borough could be potentially hitting hitting that momentum as well. So, yeah, very nervy, very nervy couple of weeks I think for Bournemouth and Reading because they, they need to pick up results and as I say Reading back to back wins will be a massive lift. They're both looking over their shoulders aren't they massively because yeah, when you've got yeah. those four teams who are all looking very threatening on the horizon it's a worrying time to be a Reading or Bournemouth fan at the moment uh, but having said that Reading have got Wickham and Rotherham coming up over the next week they've got to see those two games as six points otherwise things could get a bit awkward let's chat about Rotherham they lost 1-0 to Norwich. And I feel a bit guilty having Norwich so far down in the running order this week, Justin, because there was just so much else going on elsewhere in the championship this weekend. But this win and results going their way elsewhere means they're now firmly in the driving seat for promotion, aren't they? It would be hard to see them falling away, especially now they've hit form. It's three straight wins. And I think more importantly, the likes of Cantwell and Buendia have just suddenly hit a wave of, of good form and that's terrible news for championship defences the, the class that Campwell showed in the last three games has, has been great and better yet uh, Timo Puki is in the form as well with four goals in three games and he's got 15 in 27 now and I was saying before before we started recording that any other season that's a very good return but because Ivan Tony's been a, a freak for goals this season you look at it and go is that is that good? I don't know there's been a very high standard of strikers in the championship this season, hasn't there? It says a lot when you could make an argument for Puka being outside the top five strikers in the championship mm. this season. It's yeah. remarkable, really. Um, but yeah, the game itself, Rotherham, caused a bit of trouble for Norwich. 
Norwich should have made this a lot more comfortable for themselves because they missed some glorious chances, but it's a win nonetheless. Um, as we do enter the business end of the season, Justin, um, Norwich will be looking at the table and think, right, we have got this nice little cushion um, ahead of the likes of Brentford and Watford. Uh, I haven't counted Swansea in there because they've got games in hand. Um, and be thinking to themselves... We are firmly in the driving seat now. We need to make the most of it while we're here. Um, and especially with Brentford and their dodgy form at the moment. Watford, we don't really know where they are right now. And uh, Swansea, after the loss this weekend, we don't know where they are really either. So, yeah, Norwich need to keep this going. Uh, for Rotherham, though, three straight losses. They were three tough games in fairness and they have played well in those three games as well. But they have now dropped into the relegation zone. The issue is, Justin, it's all well and good playing well and losing. But you actually need to get points on the board, don't you? And I worry if that could come back to bite Rotherham as the season goes on. Yeah, you're spot on. I think, you know, we can say, oh, yeah, you know, they they knocked on the door of these teams, but unfortunately they haven't. They haven't been let in, you know. They 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 they've been stood on the front front porch in each of these games, shouting, "Let me in!" <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and it's not where you want to be when you you're in the relegation zone or you fight a relegation battle. I was very confident about Rotherham, um, but I just think that you know it's, it's, this this run of defeats for them has actually coincided with Cardiff's upturn in form. Okay, they came came up against Bournemouth, who are are a good side when they play well, and obviously they've come up against top of the table Norwich and considering that they haven't played poorly in any of these games, is credit to, to Rotherham. But you can only really, really praise them if they manage to get a result. Unfortunately, they haven't. They've been sucked back into the bottom three. Okay, they've got two games in hand, but it's coming up. I mean, we've got the, the most clogged um, fixtures schedule coming up now with seven games in however many days. It's going to get even harder for Rotherham with those extra two games being plugged in as well. The thing is, when I say they need to pick up points, even just draws in these games, yeah. grinding out results would be enough, really. But the fact that they're just losing um, cons consistently, that's the real concern for Paul Warren at the moment. And the games don't get any easier. They've got an informed Forest coming up and then they've got Reading uh, next weekend. So they need to get some points on the board soon. Otherwise, the, the relegation battle could be looking a bit more clear-cut. On Friday night, Watford beat Derby 2-1. What did you make of the game, Justin? It was an interesting game. I thought Watford were ridiculously good in the first half. Um, up, when they, up until they scored, I think Derby were... It was a good start, but I think Watford controlled the game without really doing too much. And the the partnership of Femenia and, and Saar in the first half was just ridiculous. Honestly, I've not seen um, a more dominant performance from a right-sided partnership all season. You know, the, the crosses for many it was putting in, Saar had Buchanan on toast. It was it was a really good watch from a neutral perspective. Um, and that's the potential that they've got. And that's the potential that they need to live up to. If they do, I can see them finishing the automatics. Well, the big talking point from the game was Derby's disallowed goal from Colin Cazin Richards. Uh, corners played in and it's headed home, but it was pulled back for a foul by Andre Wisdom on the Watford keeper, Daniel Backman. Replay showed that, quite frankly, it wasn't a foul at all, was it? <laughs> no. I mean, Wisdom's a big guy, isn't he? But the keepers... They, well, the corner before it, 
um, the keeper flapped at it and punched it over his own bar with nobody around him. He's done the same thing here. Referees done him a job there. It's it's it was a, it was a terrible decision. But these things even themselves out. Derby got away one against Wickham, uh, and obviously you know in the in the the land of VAR, Colin Kasim Richards was offside for Derby's equaliser as well. So not too de- disheartened. Although you look at it and go, Derby could have finished, could could have drawn two two here, but mm. probably wouldn't have been as 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 straight cut as that. Yeah, well, results going their way. I mean, Watford are back in with a shout of finishing in the top two. Uh, they'll be keeping a close eye on how Swansea do with those games in hand. Derby, just giving a reminder that they've got a lot of work to do to still ensure safety. And finally, Millwall nil, Wickham nil. Millwall, back to drawing games. The record for most draws in the season is 22. They're now on 15. Come on, Millwall. You could do this. Uh, this game was as dull as you can imagine. Two long ball teams just hoofing it back and forth. It was like watching a shit game of tennis. Right, now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news. These are your main headlines from the past week in the Championship. Dean Holden's been sacked by Bristol City. Uh, Paul Simpson, his assistant, is in charge for the time being. We spoke about that on Thursday. You can hear our thoughts in Thursday's episode. Uh, Jonathan Woodgate has been appointed Bournemouth manager for the rest of the season. He was in caretaker charge. Justin, what are your thoughts on that? It's it's underwhelming, but considering the level of coaches and managers linked with Bournemouth, it's the best decision they could make. Um there's a lot to be. There's a lot to come of Bournemouth, I think, um, and we don't know what Woodgate can do with a squad like that because we all know how bad it was at Borough last season. But potentially he's learned from it. So for me, I think it's the right decision. Championship experience compared to compared to the guff that was linked. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's the right thing to do for them going into the the final few week few months. Sorry, of the season. I mean, two minds about it really because I know the candidates they were linked with didn't really stand out to us because of a lack of championship experience or, in David Wagner's case, just not really suiting the style of play. But at the same time, Jonathan Woodgate, he was a disaster at Middlesbrough last season, quite frankly. There's no other way of saying it. So the fact that they've gone with him for the rest of the season does not inspire me with confidence because Bournemouth are hanging on to that final playoff place as it stands. Um and Woodgate's not particularly impressed me during his caretaker spell. Mm. The results have slightly improved, but at the same time, the performances haven't really been there. So I would say I would have preferred they even took a gamble on an unknown manager, maybe even someone like John Terry. I'm not, I was never really sold on Thierry Henry, <laughs> but someone like that, at least because Jonathan Woodgate has just had such a poor record with Middlesbrough last season. Uh, let's move on. Stoke winger James McLean has revealed some of the abuse he gets on social media this week. Um, I don't want to give any airtime to the messages, Justin, but McLean says he's used to it now because it's just so constant. I wanted to quickly mention the story because I've seen it spoken about a lot on social media, but not necessarily in the news. Now, I don't want to get into the politics of the situation. People can think what they want, but I'd encourage people to read up on James McLean's side of the story before making any judgment. I think a lot of people would feel very silly if they actually knew his side. But of course, we condemn any abuse on social media. If you send anyone abuse, whether it be a footballer or just a normal person, you are a stupid idiot. 
In transfer news, Justin, Ryan Shawcross has left Stoke after 14 years. He's gone to David Beckham's MLS side, Inter Miami. Sad, really, because his past couple of seasons for Stoke haven't really been glittering moments in his Stoke career, have they? But when you think of what Stoke have accomplished over the past decade, Ryan Shawcross has been central to it, hasn't he? The past decade and, and, and then some. He, I think he arrived in 2008, didn't he? So I think for £2 million, he's probably Stoke's best signing for God knows how long. Um, yeah, I mean, he's had a chronic back condition for, for a while as well, which hasn't hasn't helped. And considering, again, the terrible investment Stoke have had and he's he's been there, you know, all the way through it is testament not only to his character and his ability, but also his leadership for the football club. And yeah, it's always sad when a when a club stalwart leaves. But Miami over Stoke, I think so. <laughs> Jesus, um, <laughs> um, I will comment no more on that. Um, but uh, losing Ryan Shawcross, who is. He's such a leader in the dressing room, isn't he? I know he's not necessarily been on the pitch as much recently, but it'll be interesting to see whether they are impacted by losing such a massive figure like him in the changing room. I, I think in recent seasons, he's been more than happy to sit on the sidelines because he knows he's not been fit enough to be out there on the pitch. But uh, either way, let's move on. Sheffield Wednesday youngster Liam Shaw has signed a deal with Celtic, which means he'll move there in the summer. Quite highly rated at the Hillsborough. Plenty of frustration from Wednesday fans that he's leaving. Um, well, there is some good news. Barry Bannon has extended his contract at Wednesday until 2023. It was due to expire this summer. And finally, has Derby's takeover been complete yet, Justin? No. Has it? Heck. Right, now it's time for the polls. This is the part of the show where we ask you on Twitter three questions that we want to get your input on. So the first question is this. Are Bristol City in a relegation battle this season? Yes or no, Justin? Yes. I would also say yes. It's quite interesting when you look at the table because there's still quite a big points gap. But just how badly they've been playing, it's very similar to Hull from last season. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, 64% of people said yes. uh, 36% said no. Uh, Assuming Ivan Toney is the best striker in the championship. Who is the second best? Adam Armstrong, Lucas Shaw, Kiefer Moore, Timo Pukki. Who are you saying? You know my answer already. I'm, I'm a Lucas Shaw ultra. <laughs> I would go Kiefer Moore. I love Big Keith so much. 35% of people agree with me. 27% said Lucas Shaw. 20% said Adam Armstrong. 18% said Timu Pukki. There are a few other shouts, actually. Stephen Fletcher, uh, Charlie Austin, uh, Plenty of other people just saying their main striker for their team, quite <laughs> frankly. Uh, and finally, what is the best pasta shape? This is a test of my Italian here. Fafale, which is the butterfly. Fusilli, which is the spiral. Penne, which is the tube. And spaghetti, which is spaghetti. Just in which one you say? I'm going with lasagna sheet. <laughs> Fair enough. I would go fusilli because... It's classic classic yeah, isn't it's, it? it's the one you buy isn't standard it? <laughs> right that's the end of the polls now it's time for this hi simon grayson here so 
So this is Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. Welcome back to the show. Jack Dawson from the Bristol City podcast, BS3 Talk, and Charlie Wise from the QPR YouTube channel, Talking Rangers. Jack, let's try and get you some uh, encouragement because uh, Lord knows we need it at the moment. So I'm going to ask the boys here to name eight of a certain subject, and all they've got to do is work together to name all eight. So for example, if I were to say name the eight clubs David Nugent's played for, and Justin would say Preston, that's one down, and Charlie would say Derby, that's another down. But if Jack would say the Kaiser Chiefs, then he'd be out. So what you need to do, gents, is give me all eight answers without all of you being eliminated. So as we know, there were some big teams involved in the Championship's relegation battle this season, the likes of Birmingham, Wednesday, what have you. They're two teams who have played in the Premier League. Now, did you know there are nine teams in League One right now who have played in the Premier League? Can you name eight of them? I say eight because I'm not counting Wimbledon slash MK Dons in there because that's just confusing. Uh, and also this is the Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight, not Hateful Nine. So the nine League One clubs who have played in the Premier League but ignoring Wimbledon. Charlie, we'll start with you. Oh, um, Let's go straight up. Let's go Sunderland. Good shout. They've spent a lot of time in the top flight, have Sunderland. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack, we'll go to you next. Charlton. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Seven years in the Premier League in the 2000s, which is impressive because I fail to recall many memorable moments during those seven <laughs> years. Justin, your go. We'll go with Portsmouth. Yes, of course. They've been in the Premier League. Well, they were in the Premier League for quite some time, weren't they? Uh, Charlie, back to you. Um, Blackpool. Blackpool, yep. One season in the Premier League in 2010-11. You're flying, boys. You've got four left. Jack, it's back to you. I'll go Hull City. Yeah, three spells in the Premier League for Old Hull. You've got three left. All three of you are still in. I feel like we're getting to the tricky part, though. Justin? (laughs) Ipswich. Yeah, two spells in the Premier League before being relegated to the Championship and spending 17 consecutive seasons there. Can you just imagine spending 17 consecutive seasons in the Championship, Justin? <laughs> Charlie, uh, uh, Charlie, yeah, yeah, it's you, isn't it? Um, two left, by the way. Oh, God, oh, this is tough. I'm going to have to push you for an answer. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm all out. All out. I'm all out. That's one down. So Charlie I'm just so championship through and through that I just don't look at League One, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so that is Charlie out. So we've got two left and there's two of you still in. Jack, can you name a League One club who has been in the Premier League? Wigan. Yep. Oh. Eight seasons oh, in man. the Premier League. So you've got one left. I thought this might be the one it comes down to. Um Justin, you're shaking your head. Do you know it? I do. You do know it? Okay, go on. Glenn Hoddle's manager, Swindon. Yeah, you are absolutely right. One season in the Premier League in 93-94. Justin Peach there, pulling it out the back. Jack, would you have got that? Uh, No, in short. Fair play. There you go, (laughs) Justin there. I don't know how I didn't get Wigan. There, shocking. there you go. Shocking. Shocking, from, shocking from you, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> right, chaps, that was fantastic. Well done on winning Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. Jack, your first win in a while. How do you feel? Maybe a weekend. Yeah, something to look back on for a while. I'll cherish it. <laughs> cherish it, Wednesday. Oh, we've been very harsh on here, Jack, today. I, I'm, I'm so sorry. But thank you for coming on the show today, Jack Dawson from the Bristol City Podcast. BS3 Talk, thank you for your time. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to have you on. Charlie Wise from the QPR YouTube channel, Talking Rangers. Thank you for your time today. No, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, lads.
Thank you for coming on. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Thursday. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Thank you.